Hello, and welcome again to the Let's Do a Crime podcast. My name is Ryan, he, him. And I'm Mouse, they, them. I have been in, in emergency services and uh, public safety, including law enforcement, for over 10 years, but not as a police officer. And I am an artist. I specify... Specify? <laughs> I specialize... <laughs> predominantly in wet media such as uh, watercolor and ink and I recently received a position at a library so I might start checking out some crime books for this podcast does does, does your library have a special archives honestly they might I haven't asked yet because when I like did my interview and stuff I specifically told them about how I want to be a children's book illustrator and not so much about how I like crime stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not a good thing to bring up in interviews. I like crime. <laughs> I like it when people do bad things because I think it's interesting. So, June 26, 1995. Federal agents and hazmat responders from the Nuclear Emergency Response Team pour over the lawn of a sleepy suburb in, Mi- suburb in Michigan. The agents in clean suits dismantle a garden shed used by a 17-year-old for his science projects. The shed will be moved to a disposal site for radioactive waste. So this is the story of David Hahn, the radioactive Boy Scout. Oh my god. I think I know this one. So there's trigger warnings from this one for mental health, addictions, suicide. Mm-hmm. Not of David, but there's a brief mention of a suicide in here. Okay. And if you're somebody listening and you don't think that you're in the right mental space to hear a story like that, just skip this one. We'll see you in the future. And make sure to contact any local suicide support hotlines if you think that that's something that you would need to talk to somebody about. So the beginning of the story is pretty light. Uh, the heavy stuff is near the end. That's just an mm-hmm. FYI. So uh, you you may have heard of this incident. You said uh, said so. I mean, I see. I think I might have heard of this incident, but now I'm second guessing myself. So. Lots of people have heard of this incident, and in popular media, this has been, like, replayed a lot in, like, mm-hmm. obviously less and less accurate retellings. Um, but David Hahn was born in October of 1976. He was a child of a split family. His parents were separated, and he bounced between them. But from a, from the articles I read, it was mostly at his mother's house during the events in question. Okay. Uh, all the articles I've read indicate he was a bright kid, but a poor student. So he had a fascination and uh, a knack for science well beyond his age. He was quite skilled with chemistry. But mm-hmm. he didn't fare well in school and was a little bit unmanageable. Okay. I mean, at the time, I imagine they just didn't have the right learning environments for people who don't learn too well from strictly book learning. Because this, like, I know now if you have, like, alternative learning requirements there are systems in place for that but i think in the 90s it was mostly and the 80s it was mostly just like i talk to you i show you a book you read it well he was actually quite good at book learning because he got got a lot of his chemistry knowledge from books okay i I think the issue is that he didn't like school and you know what that's also fair and that this he just didn't like try very hard while he's in school Mm mm-hmm because, like, some, some of his teachers said that, like, he was extremely skilled, but, like, they couldn't get him to, like, really pay attention and do his work. So he took an inter- interest in chemistry at a young age and excelled at it. However, being a kid, he had almost no concept of restraint or safety. 
Of course. And his parents did not really understand what he was doing, but also Mm -hmm. didn't want to suppress his intelligence, which basically meant that no one was keeping him in check. So, like, basically, they they didn't want to, like, stop him from doing stuff because, like, obviously he's bright. But they don't understand enough, uh, enough about it to know when to be concerned. Right. So one article states states by age 14, he had managed to manufacture nitroglycerin, which um, I don't know if you know, but nitroglycerin is a extremely friction sensitive explosion uh, explosive. It is the primary ingredient in dynamite. Yeah, I was just sitting here like, God, why does that sound so familiar? Oh, yeah, it's explosive. Yeah, nitroglycerin in its liquid form is extremely friction and shock sensitive. So if like you shake a container, it's in. Uh, if you make a loud noise near it, like it can just mm-hmm. detonate. Oh my god, it's sound reactive. Yeah, like any change in pressure can make it go off. It's extremely I unstable. I did not know that noise could affect nitroglycerin. Oh, because noise is a uh, is vibration, right? And nitroglycerin is really, really reactive to like any disturbance. Okay, I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but. My mind is a little blown right now because you know me; I'm not super great at like chemistry. <laughs> so, so a little little tangent here. Uh, nitroglycerin mm-hmm. is one of the ingredients in dynamite. So, how they invented dynamite is that you mix nitroglycerin with a type of clay, and the mm-hmm. clay stabilizes, so nitroglycerin isn't so reactive, and that's what makes it safe to work with. Um, however, if you live in a place with lots of like old mines and stuff like that, you might find old boxes of dynamite. Uh, if you ever do find old box dynamite, stay the hell away from it and call your local bomb team, because old dynamite can sweat nitroglycerin out of it. So you can actually oh. you can actually end up with liquid nitroglycerin on the surface of it, which like if you pick it up, it's gonna blow your, like blow, well not even your whole your hand off, it just blow you up. So if you ever find old dynamite, like it is not safe. It is absolutely not safe. Uh, they don't really use dynamite that much anymore for uh, for commercial explosives, but you can still mm-hmm. find it sometimes. Like, if we got left behind when a mine was abandoned or something. Yeah. And, in, right. fa- in fact, the way they deal with it professionally is if they find it, if they can avoid moving it, they will, and they'll just blow it up on the spot. It's that dangerous. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely don't don't mess with it. And so as, as a kid who was super interested in chemistry myself at that age, uh, I did some questionable things, but nothing approaching nitroglycerin. Uh. So his bedroom was pockmarked with holes, which is how he eventually ended up in the shed. Okay, yeah, I was like, where is he making it? <laughs> yeah, so he was just doing this in his bedroom, and he was, like, causing explosions and causing, like, I guess um, uh, his his bedroom had to be completely re-drywalled because it was so full of holes. The carpet had to be ripped out because it was so destroyed from, like, spills and stuff like that. Oh, my God, he could have blown up their house. Oh, oh yeah, so he really was not taking the safety stuff seriously. And no. I read one where, um, this is a trigger warning for eye trauma. Uh, I read one where, because of the fact that like he wasn't doing any of the safety stuff, he wasn't wearing goggles, he wasn't wearing a lab oh, coat, no. he wasn't wearing anything like that. And so he blew up a pill bottle uh, and had to like go into uh, the eye doctor like several times over the next year to have like shrapnel removed from his eyes. Oh my god. You'd think that after doing it once, he would have started wearing safety goggles. Yeah, well, he, I guess he did start work, uh, wearing safety goggles, and also his mom, like, started kind of throwing out some of his some of his, um, his experiments when she mm-hmm. found them, just because, like, if it looked like it was something that was dangerous, she'd be like, uh, maybe we should get rid of that. But also, um, if you're a parent with a kid like this, 
don't do that. If you don't know what it is and you're throwing it in the trash, you could be throwing some dangerous stuff in the trash. Yeah, I was also just thinking about how, like, they supported him without necessarily understanding the science behind what he was doing. Like, if she had handled just straight up nitroglycerin, she could have died. Yeah, and so uh, this is a tangent I'll go on a little bit later, but I did find a story of another similar kid with who was similarly bright and did some of the same things that this guy did. Mm-hmm. But his parents were a little bit smarter about it and got him in touch with some university professors uh, in the topics that he was interested in and helped channel it that way so that he had some guidance from people who actually knew what the hell he was doing. Yeah, they, it's, it's, they, they sought out professional support instead of just being like, I'm sure he knows what he is doing. He's a smart kid. Yeah. So his parents did suspect that maybe he was manufacturing drugs because his behavior is getting more extreme. Okay. Um, but they never found any actual evidence of this. Um, and he likely wasn't manufacturing drugs, and I'll explain that a little bit more later. So eventually his experiments turned nuclear. His uh, So retellings of the story report that he attempted to build a reactor to get a Boy Scout marriage, merit badge from Atomic Energy. But it's actually the other way around. So for much of this time, he also had after-school jobs, he had a girlfriend... And most importantly, he was in the Boy Scouts. So this wasn't all he was doing. He did have other things in his life. Although it did note that like most of his money from the after-school jobs was going towards his projects. Which, I mean, I feel that. Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid and you're working, like you're going to funnel that money into your hobbies. For me, that was video games. <laughs> I mean, we all do it. Like, you know, me and you also did cosplay for a while. So like that that's expensive hobby. Yeah. Yes, and you need you definitely need a, like a pretty consistent source of income in order to do that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I definitely feel that after school job, so you can keep doing your hobbies. Yeah, and if you're living at home, you know, you're not paying rent, or if you are paying rent to your parents, it's a very low amount, so it uh, it accumulates. Yeah. So while he was in the scouts, he earned the the atomic energy merit badge by touring a hospital radiology unit. He drew a diagram of how nuclear fission works. Uh, and I guess he like built a little model reactor, like not obviously not one that was working, just like a a like toy. Which okay. Sounds like fairly normal stuff to do for such such a merit badge, like demonstrate a knowledge in atomic energy, not necessarily mess with atomic energy. Yeah, and I mean to me, this still sounds like going above and beyond the like requirements to receive a merit badge, because like he actually went and toured these facilities. If I had been in that position, I would have just looked it up in a book. You know what I mean? Written a paper on it. Yeah, but the new, the Boy Scout merit badge. Um, keep in mind, this is like this is like the the '90s, so mm-hmm. safety was a little bit laxer there. Uh, yeah, and a lot of the materials were like actually sponsored by like nuclear energy like agencies. So the material he was reading put a bunch of new ideas into his head. Of course, it did. On a side note, he was kicked out of uh, scout camp a few times. Uh, once for accidentally igniting magnesium powder, he snuck in to make fireworks, which, I mean, why? <laughs> that sounds like something I might do. Yeah, uh, but why? <laughs> and one time he snuck into the girls' camp to steal oh, their mean... smoke detectors. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, snuck in the... he didn't sneak in the girls' camp to, like, go hang out with the girls. He snuck in to steal their smoke detectors. He wasn't like, oh, hey, guys, I'm, I'm here to hang out. No, he was like, oh, hey, guys, can I borrow that? Basically. <laughs> Why? So he began to collect radioactive material to realize uh, to realize his new well stream to build a breeder reactor. Okay. Now, now, 
I don't suppose you know much about nuclear reactors, Mouse. No. Nope. The only thing I have retained from you telling me about nuclear reactors is that uh, water is good at holding radiation. Uh, or kind of. distilled, n- dist- neutralizing it or something. Distilled water can block radiation. Uh, water with anything yeah. in it, like salt, can actually become radioactive, so it's actually really bad at that. But, okay, uh, well, I did remember something about it. <laughs> so what a breeder react- reactor is, is like a normal nuclear reactor is basically just a bunch of nuclear material in close proximity to each other that's causing each other to react and heat up. And then coolant cools it down, but the coolant heats up and boils water, and that boiling water spins a turbine. That's all it really is. So What, what kind of coolant? Um... In some cases, it's like molten salt. In some cases, it's like it's sometimes sometimes just water. Uh, there's a bunch of different okay. things that use the coolant. So molten salt? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so it's basically it's it's literally just salt that, that the the core melts, and this is considered okay. a little bit safer than a, a pressurized water reactor because it's not so much under under pressure. But uh, like keep in mind, reactors are running at thousands of degrees, so it doesn't take much to keep it at the 500 degrees it needs to keep salt melted. Um. Okay, follow-up question. If it's at, like, thousands of degrees, uh, how did he think he was going to be able to build that in his shed? I have no idea. <laughs> so, a breeder reactor, though, is is an advancement on the technology that was kind of a dead end. So, uh, while skimming over some very complicated nuclear sciences, uh, when nuclear materials react, they break down into other materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is what, uh, what fission is. Uh, but if you... Uh, as it breaks down, it releases neutrons, which will hit other materials and can cause them to either to become different materials, either go up the periodic table or down the periodic table. Mm-hmm. And by arranging a core in such a way with layers of different materials that, that work well together, uh, in theory, you can put out energy while also having the core replenish itself by like remaking its own materials over and over again. So it takes it like hundreds and hundreds of times longer to run out of fuel than a regular reactor and by the time it runs out it's like completely dead there's no not much radioactivity anymore okay in in the in the 70s and 80s they they were trying to do this as like the holy grail to like solve the energy crisis but they found these to be like horrifically unreliable and like hard to control so it was kind of a technological dead end well yeah Uh, because to me this this sounds very reminiscent of a perpetual motion machine yeah, it wasn't true perpetual motion because, like, eventually a reaction would run out, but, like, yeah. you would spend – because what – with our modern reactors, like, our modern reactors are pretty good, but there's still a lot of energy in the material left over by the time it's done being fuel, and mm-hmm. that's what that's why it's still radioactive. But a breeder reactor would end up with way, way less radioactivity left. Okay. And so, would... theoretically, like, a safer option to nuclear energy, which is already pretty safe. And then, and then also it lasts a lot longer. It actually ended up being less safe because it tended to melt down a lot. Oh. Just because the reaction was so much, so much harder to control because now it's like complex reactors going on. But okay, yeah. Apparently he didn't know about this. I mean, yeah, he's like, I imagine like they got him when he was 17, but I don't think he was 17 when he was doing this. He was probably younger, right? Uh, he was 17 at the time that, that this all got like discovered. Yeah. So like he could have been doing this from like the age of 15 or 16 too. Yeah, I think I think around age 14 or 15 is is when he started messing with nuclear stuff. Yeah, so I can understand why like a fucking 14 15 year old wouldn't know this. 
So he never did build any kind of nuclear reactor, contrary to the popular myth. But he did make a neutron source. So he started a letter-writing campaign to scientific supply companies and government agencies asking for information. Uh, he was posing. Okay. He was posing as a teacher. So he was basically like, like, "Hey, I'm a high school physics teacher. I'm teaching my my students about about nuclear technologies. Can you give me some information? I just have some questions about how this stuff works." So he had enough knowledge to be convincing and was able to get useful responses from them. Now, one really important thing to note is that you can't easily turn a nuclear reactor into a nuclear weapon. That's another popular myth that just the the way they work is completely different. So a lot of, especially at the time, a lot of regulatory agencies wouldn't see a problem with someone asking about nuclear energy because like, it's just, it's just not a related technology to nuclear bombs. So that's, you know, so he was able to get a lot of useful information, probably because one, he sounded legit and two, it seemed like kind of a safe thing to talk about. Okay. I mean, Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, these no, days you can just look up all the information online, so it's not like there's much of a difference today. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and then I was like, wait a minute, we have the compendium of all human knowledge at our fingertips at all times. So that, like, even just Googling things in your free time can look suspicious when taken out of the abstract, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you still have a hard time finding how to build a nuclear bomb online, because obviously it's mm -hmm. really protected. Uh, but, like, nuclear reactors are pretty well understood. So, yeah, okay. So the next thing he started doing was collecting nuclear material. So he collected things containing uranium, old clocks and lamps, thorium gas mantles, etc. So like if you have like an old vintage clock like before say the 50s and mm -hmm. it has like glow in the dark um glow in the dark hands on it or any kind of glow in the dark paint, it's probably radium paint or or maybe uranium um mm -hmm. with a uh, with phosphorus on it cuz like when the radiation hits the phosphorus it'll make it glow. So that was pretty common back then. Uh, they're pretty safe. To, like, I wouldn't like hold it against my body for long periods of time. But if you have one, they're not unsafe. Just maybe keep it behind glass or something. <laughs> Look, but don't touch. And then thorium gas mantles. So like, if you've ever used like a um, like a Coleman gas lamp, like those uh, those camping gas lanterns, they they have like this oh, like yeah. cloth matrix in them that uh, that glows when when heated, mm -hmm. and. They used to have uh, thorium in those, and thorium is a is like a radioactive metal. And they removed the thorium more recently. You can still buy thorium gas mantles, but like uh, newer ones you can get from the store probably wouldn't have them. And thorium is used in a bunch of other things too. Like side yeah. tangent, I have a camera lens here that's radioactive, just barely, because it does have, <laughs> it does have some thorium in the glass. Yeah, which, like it's one of the best lenses I own. So yeah, you know, yeah, and using it. I mean. I'm just thinking about, I used to work at an antique store, and we would have people come in with uh, radiation detectors, specifically to look out for dishware that had radiation in it. Yeah, uranium glass, like, some. Yeah. sometimes you have, like, old uh, green glass, sometimes it'll have uranium in it, because uranium would make it green. It would not make it glow green, but it would make it green. Yeah, so we would have people come in and test test it. And then people would ask me about it, and I'd be like, man, I don't fucking know. I just work here. Another way to test for uranium glass, if you don't have a Geiger counter, is UV light will make it glow, too. Oh. If you hit uranium glass with UV light, it'll, you know how, like, t-shirts will glow under a black light? Yeah. They'll do kind of the same thing under a UV light. Oh, well, I guess if anyone listening is a hobbyist just getting into looking for specifically radioactive material, 
there you go. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm talking about stuff like this because this is pretty well known. I'm leaving out a lot of the stuff of, like, how he obtained some more dangerous stuff because... Well, I mean, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, please don't, guys. But eventually he discovered smoke detectors contain americium, which is a radioactive element, and he set about collecting them. Hence the theft. Smoke detectors aren't cheap. So They're he, not? Yeah, they're, they're like 50 bucks a piece, like, minimum. Oh, my apartment just came with one. Yeah, like, well, it's because it was required to. But, like, uh. if you have to replace a smoke detector, they're not cheap. Uh, I will say, though, that, like, the radioactive americium smoke detectors are on their way out. You can buy ones that, that are a little more advanced and don't use americium anymore, and they're actually better. Mm -hmm. The problem is the ones in stores, it's hard to tell um, which ones are the radioactive ones and which ones aren't. But uh, the newer ones are not radioactive and are actually better at smoke detecting smoke, so... If you have the choice, get one of those. But um, uh, he even used his fake teacher trick again to convince a smoke detector company to sell him a bunch of broken ones at a huge discount. So I guess, I think he made a deal with them that like, again, he said he was like a physics teacher teaching about like mm -hmm. radioactivity and he just needed like a safe radioactive source because americium isn't dangerous, at least in the quantities in smoke detectors. Mm -hmm. So he was able to, to uh, convince them to sell them to him for a dollar each because they were broken. I mean, even in the 90s, though, that was still pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, but, like, a lot lot cheaper than, like, probably the 50 yeah. bucks it would have cost them to buy them. Yeah. So he was able to extract the americium and melt them together, which I guess he just did with a blowtorch, which is okay. <laughs> like, I'm imagining I'm imagining he does it the same way that I melt, melt pewter, just throw a bunch of it into, like, a metal dish and hit it with a blowtorch. Yeah, probably. Again, safety doesn't seem to be this guy's pri priority. So he melted together and created a large source of alpha radiation. Oh, God. Now, alpha radiation by itself is not terribly dangerous. Like, if you were to eat something or breathe in particles emitting alpha radiation, it's, it can be pretty dangerous. But, like, normally it's not that dangerous. Uh, it dissipates really quickly. It's uh, blocked pretty easily. Uh, but, here's a little, but here's where a little knowledge is dangerous. So, like, alpha rays can be blocked by, like, a sheet of paper. But okay. But he combined it with some aluminum in a lead block to create a small hole in it. Uh, so what happens when aluminum is bombarded with a lot of alpha radiation is it will absorb it and give off neutron radiation, which is much more dangerous. So he like basically took a like, lead block with a hole in it and created a kind of gun that shoots neutron radiation. Why? It's because alpha radiation in terms of like doing nuclear experiments is not very useful other than just showing it's there because it's easy to detect and pretty safe. But neutron radiation can irradiate other things and cause reactions in material, which is what he needs to start building a reactor. <sighs> I'm trying so hard to be understanding of what this guy is doing, but my goodness. All right. <laughs> yeah, I will say he's still not really in the danger zone yet. He's creating, creating neutron radiation, which of course is going to start irradiating things and is like not good long term, but mm -hmm. still isn't like that dangerous. Uh, he fucked around with this for a while, and as you do, he just kind of like irradiated things. And was like, haha, I made that radioactive. <laughs> and, and then after he got bored with that, he started trying to create a uranium core. So okay. So one of the things about a nuclear reactor that's important is that uh, it's it's what's called a chain reaction, a self-sustaining reaction, which mm -hmm. is which is where like. Most things will will become radioactive and emit radiation and like convert into a different material, like like fission-wise. If you bombard it with neutrons, 
uranium, when it starts doing that, will also release a whole crap load of neutrons and bombard everything around it with neutrons. So if you put enough uranium in one place, it'll bombard itself and sustain its own reaction. That's that's why it's used in like uh, in nuclear reactors. Okay. So he got his hands on some uh, uranium ore. It does occur naturally. You can just go find it if you're in a mountainous area. area. But okay. he was unable to purify it. So like uranium ore itself, like the microscopic amounts of uranium you find in rocks, it's like, yeah, you can detect it with a Geiger counter. But from what he had access to, he just did not have the techniques needed to purify it. I think what he tried to do is like, uh, crush it up, uh, dissolve it in some like acids and stuff like that. Try to filter it through a coffee filter, but he couldn't ever separate the rocks from the from the uranium. So that was a dead end for him. So he turned to thorium again. So those thorium gas mantles. Uh, he was able to use his knowledge of chemistry to extract the thorium from the gas mantles and purify it enough that it would require a license to have. So he purified the thorium like I think 160 times. And so he ended up with a concentration that, like, had he been doing this legitimately, he would have now required a nuclear license to handle this. Right. So uh, when thorium is irradiated with neutron radiation, it can become uh, uranium, which is what he was trying for. But his neutron gun was thankfully not powerful enough to do this. So, like, even though he had a neutron source, it was too weak to put out enough radiation to irradiate this thorium. Okay. So this is where the radium comes in. So like those clocks and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. guess he got lucky and found one clock that had like a vial of the uranium paint still inside of it. So he had like quite a bit of it. Okay. So he decided to use his radium to make a more powerful neutron gun. Uh, he went to the hospital that gave him his... Uh, that He went to the hospital that he did his like x-ray tour at. And he got them to give him some barium sulfate. So barium sulfate is kind of a salt that's used in as an x-ray contrast so it's that it's what they make you eat before you do an x-ray so that like you can see stuff um it's normally perfectly safe you need to eat a whole lot of it before it hurt you and it's not radioactive by itself it's just it interacts with radiation in a specific way that's easy to tell on on x-rays okay so so he just basically gave them some line about oh he's doing more like experiments and he wants to like mess with barium sulfate and because it's normally pretty safe they just gave him some this would be like asking for Tylenol. It's like, I was like, okay, okay, what are you going to do with Tylenol? You can't really hurt yourself with that, so here you go. Yeah. Right? Well, also, like, we have to remember that, like, you're talking about all of his actions in, like, a summary, but to, like, the people around him, they wouldn't have seen every single thing that he had accumulated at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they also wouldn't understand his knowledge of chemistry. Yeah. Like, so, like, they would have just seen a kid or when he was, like, lying about being a teacher, like, a teacher just, like, getting basic materials to like do simple experiments at like a high school level yeah so the thing with the barium sulfate though that 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 the x-ray text wouldn't know is that he was able to use this to concentrate his and purify his radium so he was able to make his radium much more pure using this barium sulfate this is where he entered the danger zone okay so Along with some correspondence he had with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, so like he was also like literally emailing the government or mailing because it's ninety five. So he's sending, <laughs> he's, he was mailing the government and getting information back from them, posing as a teacher. He's sending letters, yeah. Yeah, uh, he improved his gun for, gun even farther by replacing um, replacing and then creating a neutron regulator. So he replaced his uh, his americium 
source with his now uh, radium source, and he made a uh, neutron regulator, which I'm not going to describe because that's part of what made this so dangerous. Okay. So he, uh, so he managed to use this to bombard his thorium and make uranium. So now he has actual uranium. He's got too, too little for a reactor, mind you, but it's enough mm-hmm. to be dangerous because it is still like pretty radioactive. Yeah, and it's, again, it's in his shed. And if I recall, he was, his safety mechanisms at this point was he was throwing away his clothes on a regular basis because they were becoming irradiated. And he was wearing a homemade lead apron. And that was like, that was like his safety stuff, which is okay. Like that's. This kid is so smart and yet so dumb. Yeah. So he doesn't have nearly enough for a reactor. But he rebuilt his neutron guns into a kind of core for his reactor. Uh, he called it a reactor, but it really wasn't anything of the sort. It was basically a big cube of various radioactive materials duct taped together. Oh, so, oh, good. So this this is again where a little knowledge is dangerous because like he 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 took all the radioactive materials he had accumulated at this point and mm-hmm. made them into like these tinfoil cubes, and then he like did the math on like how they would react to each other. And put them in a matrix, like alternating them so that they would maximize the reactions. And then he duct taped it together. Why? Because this is what happens when you give a teenager the the knowledge of a nuclear physicist, but not the wisdom. Of <laughs> like this is this is a I high know. this is a high into low whiz build. Oh. A hundred percent. The intelligence to do something, but the lack of wisdom to do it safely. To to know that you shouldn't be doing this in a garden shed with a bunch of tinfoil and duct tape. Yeah, for real. Honestly, like, this kid is so smart. Like, if only he had, like, applied himself in school, he could have gotten a degree in this. He could have been working legitimately with nuclear energy. Yeah, so I'm going to go back on that tangent of there's another kid that I was reading an article about who's still a minor, so I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. But similar path. He was doing all this like chemistry stuff. He was doing like getting inv- like involved in uh, radioactive stuff, like hyper focused like uh, on on the topic, and is starting to get kind of dangerous. And his parents are kind of worried about it. Mm-hmm. So his parents did some research and found a uh, university that had a laboratory that was specifically supposed to be for like gifted individuals to work on advanced science projects. And so they managed, okay. to, they managed to get him into that university program. And so this kid successfully built a nuclear reactor at like 15 because the fact oh, he wow. was doing it with the guidance of actual nuclear physicists in, yeah. in a lab designed to build nuclear reactors. See, that's awesome. Is this like a recent story? This is fairly recent. Yeah, this is this is like 2019. Okay. I mean, that's really awesome. And I wish that something like that had existed for Han in the 90s, because I think part of it is that, like, it's been, like, 20 years. Yeah. I We've think... had time to, like, create these programs. Yeah, I think, one, well, one of the things that held Han back is that he was such a poor student. Uh, this mm-hmm. other kid wasn't a poor student. He was, like, he was one of these kids that, like, was skipping grades and stuff. Um, so it was probably fairly easy for them to argue that he gets into this program. David Hahn, I think would still have a hard time getting into the program because it's like, okay, you might be smart, but you need to show us that like, you can actually follow academic rules. Right. I guess there is. 
that that yeah. difference as well. Yeah, because you're not going to give a wild child access to like a nuclear reactor. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? That sounds fine. Oh uh, yeah, it's, it sounds fine. We're perfectly well here. So David soon re- uh, realized that his his death cube was becoming dangerous. Oh yeah, it's a fucking cube. Because now now it's like peeking out his like Geiger counter, which is not made for this kind of stuff. It's made for like hobby stuff. Yeah. So. He attempted to use cobalt drill build bits to, as impromptu control rods. So he had heard somewhere that, that cobalt is used in actual nuclear reactors for control rods. So what control rods are is, I mentioned before how like uranium is like bombarding itself with, uh, with radiation, and that's what's causing the reaction to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, control rods are, are basically like, literally like, like, like rods of material, like cobalt or, or graphite or anything like that, that you put between your, your fuel cells to control the reaction so it either slows down or speeds up how fast the radiation is moving so like when they shut down a nuclear reactor they just drop a bunch of control rods into the reactor that stops all the uh, reactions from occurring so he's trying to do that right now with, with drill bits with cobalt drill bits but they don't work because they're drill bits not control rods yeah so he ended up disassembling his quote-unquote reactor and attempted to spread out the material uh, some of it he put in the trunk of his car so, in August of 1994, he was pulled over by police due to uh, suspicion in his involvement in some wheel thefts. Uh, he was acting really sketchy, so they, because he's got a bunch of radioactive material in his trunk. So they yeah. searched his car, and they thought they had found a bomb because they found like they found like a toolbox full of a, a whole bunch of different metals and ashes and stuff wrapped in tinfoil and duct tape. Yeah, and if you're like not trained in nuclear energy or anything like that yeah it's gonna look like a fucking bomb also even if you were why would you recognize that why would anyone <laughs> it's gonna have look built... like a fucking bomb why would anyone have built this before so and of course like the police also most police don't have any training in bomb stuff either so if you see something yeah like you know what one call i used to get all the time um when i worked at a convention center is that if people would see something and be like that's a bomb and you go up and be like no that's like a fucked up charging station. Don't worry okay, about it. Okay, but to be fair, the general public safety recommendation is that if you see a suspicious package or something that oh. looks oh, unusual, yeah. I'm, I'm not like you report dis- it. disparaging people by any means, but like, like the vast majority of even cops wouldn't know what a real bomb looked like. So you see something weird, you're like, ah, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the cops think it's a bomb. Uh, when they start poking at it, he warned them the material was radioactive, and that really did not help. Yep, yeah, yeah, probably not. So this triggered a nuclear emergency response plan. Now mm-hmm. he's he's in a like a rural suburb kind of thing. This is not a major city, so like even you know the cities we live in, like our major cities, would probably have someone with some like either part of the fire department or police department who would have some knowledge of what the hell to do here. But yeah, like, and if if not, at the very least, they'd be able to contact somebody who could. But like, it's a small town, and it's 1994, so like, yeah, yeah, like they they activated the plans they had, but like there were no experts uh, here yet. So David himself was not helpful at all. He was like refusing to answer questions, stalling the investigation, like um, basically, and kind of acting like 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 a prick, like. Okay. Kind of if, acting suspicious? Well, 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 if you're talking to police, like, obviously you should shut your mouth until you're talking to a lawyer. But, like, mm-hmm. he was kind of doing this whole, like, you're not smart enough to understand kind of thing, which oh. is not helping. No. And then, so, eventually, they, they got 
uh, actual radiological experts to come down and talk to him. And he did mm. tell them what, what uh, was going on. So they learned about the shed. Come on. Dude, you're not helping your, your case here. So in November, the shed was surveyed and was and they found items with over 1,000 times background radiation. So like tools he was using, like containers, things were being held in. We're, we're testing it like 1,000 times over background radiation. So they did not know that his mother, uh, fearing his exper- fearing what he's doing, has tossed out much of his experience already. Right. So, like, remember I said she started doing that, just started throwing things in the trash. So she threw out a lot of this experiments, including the radioactive core. The <gasps> most radio- She threw it in the regular trash. Oh, so, no. So some landfill in Michigan just has a big ball of radioactive material buried in it somewhere. Oh, God. Have fun with that. Have fun with that, Michigan. So EPA, that's, that's the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, mm-hmm. uh, officials arrived in January and surveyed the site. Uh, after their survey of the site, they designated it a Superfund cleanup site. So Superfund is what was founded in the, the 70s for like these huge disaster areas like like Love Canal and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so they designated his backyard a Superfund cleanup site. I mean, yeah. I get why. <laughs> so this, the, the cleanup costs around $60,000, which is not much for a Superfund cleanup, but is a lot when you consider it's, it's a shed in a backyard. Yeah, but I mean, it's probably not a lot when you consider that it's a it's a radioactive shed in a backyard. Yeah. So the remains of the shed were put in a hazmat dump site that's used by the U.S. government for their radiological experiments. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this is dangerous enough that we should put it with the other dangerous stuff. Uh, the fallout from this on David's life was devastating. Uh, his parents obviously cracked down on him. He became depressed at the loss of his experiments. Uh, he gained a lot of local infamy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I guess I read this story about like, him and his girlfriend tried to release a bunch of like helium balloons at like their grad and uh the principal freaked out because he was sure that like the helium balloons would like explode or something right like, i mean just normal balloons but like principal didn't wasn't trusting that i mean i understand why if you unfortunately if you have a reputation already of working with dangerous materials you're it's gonna take years to build that that trust back yeah and all the negative attention resulted in his girlfriend leaving him which like it's high school, but like, still, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that sucks. He kind of spiraled a bit, and his parents demanded he either go to college or join the military, because like, I guess he was just kind of doing nothing. Okay. So he went to community college for a little while, uh, and then he enlisted in the navy. No. And like, this is where like I was kind of hoping it would turn around for him because like, yeah, like the the navy has a lot of programs for people like this because mm-hmm. like nuclear things are a thing there. Uh, but his career is pretty lackluster as far as I can tell. Uh, he did briefly serve on the USS Enterprise, which is a nuclear carrier, but it doesn't look like he distinguished himself. That he didn't climb ranks and all that much. He didn't specialize really in anything. So it was just kind of a, kind of a like barely doing the minimum military career. He was honorably discharged though with a medical concern. So like that meant he he left in good standing from the military. Right. Uh, and this this is where it gets dark though. So his adult life was a downhill spiral from this point. Uh, at some point, his mother took her own life. Uh, David himself was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which brings me back to the drugs thing because his behavior is getting more and more erratic. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is this is purely armchair speculation here. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking his erratic behavior uh, may have been like undiagnosed mental illness and not drugs because he didn't. Oh, he didn't 100%. seem to be interested in drugs at all. 
to me, this entire time has sounded like somebody who has like a mental illness or a mental disorder of some kind that isn't being taken care of. And a, a, lot, and, of, a lot of schizophrenic individuals are extremely intelligent. They like, yeah. which, which kind of makes it hard to tell when they start having symptoms because if you don't know what they're talking about, but like it's been legit so far, then like for the first little while, you might not notice that they're saying things that aren't real. Mm-hmm. So in April of 2007, he was contacted by the FBI who had gotten a tip. He was building a neutron source again. Oh no. Uh, what they had found was that he was off his meds, likely using street drugs and experiencing paranoid delusions. Oh, so later, so he, so he did start using drugs. Yeah, he was using street drugs at this point. So later on in 2007, he was charged with larceny when he stole several smoke detectors from his apartment. Like you, went, I guess he went down the halls like stealing smoke detectors. So, yeah. kind of re, a repeat of what was happening before. Mm -hmm. uh, he reached a plea de deal for 90 days in jail. I guess they bumped the charge down to attempted larceny. Uh, in exchange, he also received six months of, nine, uh, of psychiatric treatment before serving his time in jail. In September of 2016, he passed away, uh, apparently due to an accidental overdose of alcohol and fentanyl. Oh. Yeah, so bright kid who, maybe due to the time he was living in, maybe due to the place he was living in, didn't yeah. have access to like proper ways to channel his his interests and no one around him that would recognize what was wrong right away. And, yeah, you know, and spiraling into his adult life. Yeah, like I did say earlier that like it was tough to to fully sympathize with him, but like when you're like a dumb kid, that's one thing. It's it's another thing entirely when that continues on into your adult life and it has like such a negative impact on your life. So I do I do feel really bad for him and where his life ended up. Yeah, which is why I bring up the the other kid I was talking about who did actually mm -hmm. go to a, a nuclear program. Yeah. So, so like like that kid's got a lot better outlook uh, for his future because like now he's surrounded by people who understand what 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 his mind's doing, who mm -hmm. can give him resources to explore that properly, and likely if there's a problem, we'll notice before other people because if he if he starts like you know going into ways that don't make sense or are dangerous like people who understand the topics he's working with will recognize it first rather than like yeah, his parents they'll be able don't to understand talk what he's talking him about. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least like not necessarily talk him down, but like say if someone starts having like, again, schizophrenic delusions, mm -hmm. if like if it's his parents who don't understand what he was talking about to begin with, they're just going to be like, oh, well, maybe I just don't understand because like he's so much more intelligent than me or whatever. But someone in his field who's an expert would be like, that doesn't make sense. Something's wrong. We need to look into this. Yeah. So that was the story of David Hahn, nuclear boy scout. I feel so sad for him. Yeah. I like when I started writing this, I'm like, oh, this will be fun because like, be because, <laughs> yeah. of, because of the pop culture around it, like there's been lots of fictional characters based on this guy mm -hmm. and the fictional characters always end up being like some genius whiz kid who goes on to be a hotshot later on. But like then some so i kind of had this like cultural idea in my head that like oh like he became like a nuclear engineer or something nope uh far more depressing than that well i'm glad that i i, I do feel bad for this guy but i am glad that there are programs that are available to 
two children and teenagers now who have the same same interests, same kind of learning areas that they can they can experience and they can be supported and thrive. Yeah, and I will say that like there is a little, little class issue here too because like obviously yeah. this other kid I was talking about, if he was from like I think he's from a fairly middle class family, but if he's from like a poor family, odds are those venues would not be available to him. So make yeah, college free. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though that was depressing at the end, at least there is like the silver lining of these programs. Yeah. And I wanted to give, the, to give the email address out. Yeah, I was, I was going to. I didn't know how to segue it to the email. <laughs> Here's a depressing thing. And now our email. And now our email. <laughs> so if you have any stories that you want us to cover or talk about that hopefully aren't maybe as sad at the end, but it's crime, so it's hard to say, we have an email where you can send us your story suggestions at let's do a crime at gmail.com. That's L E T S. D-O-A-C-R-I-M-E at gmail.com And until next time, uh, don't build a neutron source in your shed. And if you notice your child starting to build a neutron source in your shed, take them to a program where they can thrive safely. Call your local university. See if they'll help. Yeah, somebody who understands what's going on. Okay, bye. Bye!